Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. Welcome back to the Peach and Black Podcast. We are here. Where are you? <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> we are here to review the time. What time is it? It's our first Associated Artist review. That's actually. what time it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. We are here to review the first two Time albums, two slices of classic Minneapolis funk. And joining me are our co-hosts extraordinaires. Player. Two more in Malibu. <laughs> Captain. Ain't nothing like a fresh pair of baggies. <laughs> and, and the toe jam himself. I just shined my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> and it's me, MC. Again, in the place to be, it's the Picture Black Podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show. Yeah. Where do we start? It's um, 1981 and um, it's just after high school. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's a classic era, isn't it? Uh, and yeah, you're right, Play. It's our first Associated Artist podcast. There's so much to say about about these two albums. So let's go straight into them. And uh, actually, no, let's do something a bit different. <laughs> Why don't we talk about this era in Prince's history uh, before the Time album was ever really uh, even released or even talked about? Because I've got a few things to say. Has anyone got anything to say about the Time and and just the well, Time just the lead up to it, I mean, you had the first two Prince albums, which were kind of, there's some funky stuff on there, but they're kind of, you know, mainly sort of aimed at that Stevie Wonder kind of pop market, that sort of sound. And then out of nowhere, you get Dirty Mind. And suddenly it's like, well, there's this whole other funky side to Prince. And, and then, you know, the time is like, for me, I always see the time of like, as like a shoot off from that. So, yeah, that, that's how it's coming from. He, he never really got really funky, did he, before this album? Yeah, but it's, it's almost like he always was that funky, but his first two albums, he was trying to not be too funky, to try and not to get typecast too early. And then the time always seems like, you know, this is his outlet for that kind of stuff. Yeah. I always saw it like, um, however he started off, when he saw that he wanted to go more in the pop direction and go more to the white audience, he still needed an outlet for all his black stuff and this, and this is what it was <laughs> I always thought of it that way he, he, he wasn't even putting stuff out like this himself because 1999 was coming up and he was going straight to the big pop crossover to you know white audience and he still wanted to put this stuff out there but he, he wouldn't do it himself but not only that like if you look at sort of the print stuff it's all um, you know he was aiming for the controversy and like the music was a bit avant-garde and like a lot of the stuff in the lyrical content, it was like all, you know, the spiritual side of things and all that, where you don't get that on the Time albums. They're just sort of party tracks, funk tracks. Like you yeah. said, it's aimed at a black audience. It's sort of more club music. And so, like, it was good because, like, his own stuff, he could sort of really be experimental and branch out, whereas this was kind of like a backup where he, he could explore the funk and, like, R&B, black R&B style of music and still have that. And still sort of make money off it as well, having sort of multiple projects going off at once. Yeah, and interestingly enough, the, the release date 
of the first Time album was a few months before Controversy. So again, the, the funk elements that you find on Controversy are really predated on this Time release. And I, I think at the time, very few people would have known that Prince was behind the Time. No, you would you would right. imagine. I mean, you yeah. know, it's, that wasn't the internet era. And you know, this this band comes out, quote unquote band. And you're listening to that. How how in- I I would have loved to have been alive at that time, <laughs> and uh, well alive and and you know old enough to be. Yeah, in- I can see what you mean. Because us being born basically when this is happening. Yeah, like when I found out about the time, it, it was through it was through knowing that Prince was involved in it. Yeah, so it would have been cool mm-hmm. at the time. Like this sort of I can imagine these sort of rumblings and rumors. You know that Prince guy is behind this. No way. What are you talking about? Yeah, I'm sure. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Like that kind of schoolyard conversation? Yeah. That would have been cool. Yeah. That would have been awesome. And as you're saying, Toji, I mean, that schoolyard conversation, but not only do you find out that, yeah, that Prince guy's behind this this time band, behind that group, then you find out that it is Prince. I, re- I think your mind would have been blown back in 81. You'd be like, mm. holy macaroni, <laughs> artichoke. <laughs> <laughs> and then only a few months later to have been hit by controversy. What a year that would have been. Like 1981 as a Prince fan, if you were just coming up and listening to the guy, would have been really, really cool. So anyway, we digress. The the only other thing I, was, I, I really wanted to talk about a little bit um, before we go into the track by track of this of the first release, this self-titled The Time album, is... Just this history that Prince had and or still has with the guys that are on that album cover. But And by the way, I love that album cover. It's like, it's just uber cool. And and the guy in the middle, you know, you just look at him and like you wouldn't have even had to have been familiar with him at all. But just his exudes attitude right at the front, you know, Morris Day standing there, the whole band bagging him. And it's just really cool to, this album really introduces a bunch of super funky Minneapolis musicians, but only a few years later, two of those guys, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, become the biggest producers in R&B music. And here they are on in 1981 on, on that record cover, you know, and it's just... Yeah. And not he, only that, like Jesse Johnson was sort of plucked from nowhere and, you know, he's, mm. he ended up touring the world as a solo artist and then backing up everyone and every, anyone and everyone. So. Yeah. Including D'Angelo today. That's right. So uh, there's a lot of history in the making when you look at that record cover and what comes later. But let's start at the beginning. And the only person that's missing off it is Jerome. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. But yeah, as I said, let's um, let's start right back at the beginning. It's the Times debut album and track one. Get it up. Say what? <laughs> Toe Jam, why don't you start us off on this? Uh, well, I think the first thing you notice is that it's like nine minutes long, hmm. uh, which is cool. Like all of, all of these, for these first two time albums, there's so many long jams. Yeah, uh, but the other thing with all these offshoot associated artist releases in this era, they're only like six song albums, like three yeah. tracks each side. Yeah. So like a lot of these tracks are all extended out. Yeah, that's right. It's like an album of extended versions, which is cool. I think with a lot of these songs, it, it just comes straight down to the, the bass line and the synths and the drums. Most of the time, the drums are pretty straightforward, as it is in this one. And so this has just got a really simple bass line. Um, the way the synths and the bass line, just um, the connection between the two all the way through the album, both albums, is really cool. Uh, really funky stuff. But the first thing I hear when I hear this song being the first time album is I, I just hear Parliament Funkadelic. 
the same sort of synth sounds. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everything, just like the way the everything's played, just it just screams of Parliament Funkadelic. And you can see that's such a big influence on a song like this. The drums have got like pretty standard acoustic drums, but it sounds like there's a trigger on the snare. So there's not too much electronics going on yet, but that sort of comes a bit later. The bass is, you know, the synth bass and the uh, electric bass are molded together. And really, it's just a big jam, a nine-minute jam. You know, and, and the, the chants, the, ch- the chants of the time are just, you know, among Prince fans and Minneapolis music fans, they're just legendary chants, these cheesy little phrases like, you know, let your body drip, let's take a trip and... You're so freaky, and what's the one at the end, you know? Get it up, get it up, I'll work you all night. Get it up, get it up, I'll <clears throat> you all night. You know, it's just, <laughs> that's just classic, classic time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, just those, you know, these macho chants. Now, we've got to talk about the um, the guitar solo in this one. I've yeah. got around about 3.50, four minutes around there. Uh, that's clearly a Prince solo, if you ask me. I mean, some of those lines sound like they're straight out of uh, all the critics in New York. Very, very similar. Kind yeah, of yeah. Really fast little little lines and stuff like that. Yeah, I haven't got a whole lot to say a lot about these songs. Uh, just It's just a big jam. It's really cool. It's funky. It's edgy. It's a classic kind of time sound to open up. Very much a precursor to Let's Work, I think. Obviously, the bass line in Let's Work is a bit more complicated, but just this idea of this real raw funk thing with you know stabby synths and that kind of stuff. Actually, yeah, they're pretty similar. They're like the same tempo. Yeah. All right, Captain. Well, since we've got you... On the line, what else? What else do you think about "Get It Up"? Okay, this song. Get into the funky stuff with this song, and then it goes on for nine minutes, more than nine minutes. I like the bass slide in this song. It, it's it goes right from the start of the song. He just he's playing whatever notes, and then there's a slide down to the low note, and he does it most of the time. And then oh, later on, he starts chucking some some slaps in there instead. But that slide, it's just too funky every time I hear that one. It. This one. Yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. That's the one. That's the one. Every time I hear that slide, I'm like, yeah, it's good. Just those classic synth sounds. And yeah, it's it's Parliament Funkadelic. It's it's Atomic Dog. It's just those great sounds. 250, two full minutes of guitar solo. I'll, I'll say it's Prince. I don't think it's anyone else. Then you got Dr. F- is, Do- is Dr. Fink doing the solo on this? Sounds like Fink to me. It Possibly. sounds like him, but I don't know. Uh, that's that's it's got to be Fink. But it's that's about forty seconds of a great solo. There's a lot of solos in this song too, like a lot of synth. There's a few different yeah. synth solos, so who yes. knows? It could be you know Prince on one, Fink on another, Jimmy Jam on another. Yeah. Who knows? Like, hmm. It's a good synth solo. But um, yeah, after the synth solo, that's where my problems start with this album. There's Toto Jam mentioned it, but there's just so many chants chucked into this song. Ob- you know, obviously to be used in, in live shows, but there's just so many. There's one, there's one from 6.10 to 6.18. There's another one, 6.26 to 6.39. 7 minutes to 7.32, there's another one. 7.59 to 8.16, there's another one. 8.17 to 8.32, there's another one. There's at least five in this song, and it's like, it sounds dumb to be criticizing him for having too many ideas, but... It's like he just—he wasn't sure which one would work, so let's just chuck them all in there, and then which, whichever ones do work, we'll use them, and we'll just forget about the others. <laughs> but uh, it just annoys me every time I hear it. I'm like, "That's chant time." Here we go again. What I do—that's my only problem with this. With this, just not this song, but these these first two time albums—is there's lots of chants. Some of them are good, some of them are okay, but I think there's too many of them. 
what I do like about this song is you can easily hear Prince yeah. doing the, the backing tracks, backing vocals, and that's cool. Who would have recognised it at the time? We've got to stop saying the word time. It's just not a, it's not a funny joke. <laughs> um, who, who would have listened to this after you've heard For You, Prince, and Dirty Mind? Who would have heard this album and thought, that sounds like Prince? No one. Would anyone have got it? There must have been someone. Oh, there was rumours, but yeah. it's one of those things that were debatable. If you had heard this album and you were a Prince's biggest fan, I don't think you'd automatically make the connection. Yeah, that's true. Not unless you had some tip-off, yeah. Yeah. I think the sound isn't... I mean, even the lead character that Morris Day is playing in, in the song, Get It Up, you know, how he basically just wants to get laid, isn't typical of Prince up until that point. I mean, fine, Dirty Mind was around, but it didn't have... I don't think Dirty Mind had any amount of sense of humour. Oh, sorry, it didn't have as much sense of humour as, as what came from the time releases. I think that's one of the key things. The sense of humour comes really comes through. It's just so playful at the same time being so kind of juvenile and it's... It's a nine-minute song about trying to get laid. I mean, that's pretty... You ain't going to be writing these types of songs today. Yeah. Player, what do you think about Get It Up? Yeah, I think this is an awesome jam. It's just a fun, straight-up party track that's extended out. Like I said before, it's almost like a 12-inch, but only six tracks on the album. You have the luxury of stretching it out a bit on this release. But unlike some of the other tracks on here, this is one is more memorable. It's got a great hook, great bass line. Nasty synths, awesome raw guitar solo, as you guys mentioned. And when you hear it, it's obviously Prince, but, you know, along with him in the background, vocals and so forth. But like MC said, you might not make the connection back at that time, but when you hear it now, it's, it's kind of obvious. I can just see this in the clubs in 1981 just melting to this track. It's just real kind of club funk jam. And I have to make mention TLC's cover of this song. It's, for me, probably in the top five of other artists covering Prince songs where I actually like it or think it actually does it justice. But, you know, when you have a big fan, Prince fan like um, Dallas Austin producing the cover, you have a bit more understanding of the machinations of the track and what elements work to do that. So I think he nailed it on that one. It's a great way to open the album and introduce the time and who they are and what they're about. Getting laid. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's right, or, or introducing Prince's alter ego, in other words. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of us, but, like, you know, this this whole first album, it has to be 90% Prince, I reckon. Like, Prince That's... and Morris. 90%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. Like, 99%. Yeah. yeah. Well, 1% Dr. Fink solos. <laughs> That's right. And the rest is all Prince and, and a bit of Morris. <laughs> and the album cover. Well, supposedly Prince, Prince plays on, on the whole thing. Yeah. Um, and did all the vocal stylings and vocal performances so that Morris had a guide vocal and then yeah. Morris just added vocals to the song. So, Which sounds intense- very much like every other associated artist album when you think about it. Like, you yeah. know, even the Brilliant Valente album, that's basically yeah. what that was too, you know. Yeah, yeah. Which means there are the original Prince versions of these tracks existing possibly still. Ah, yeah, maybe. That yeah, would could- be... That would be good. How cool would it be if Prince released the the Time album <laughs> with those, like just with him doing all of the, especially when there was the dis- you know the bit of the dispute about who can use the name and all this, as just to rub it in. Prince just releases the album as he originally did it. <laughs> that would be funny. Oh, be, who, who's the original Seven now? You know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> One thing about this song is it just goes. As soon as you play it, it just bangs straight into the song. There's no, like, intro. There's no crap. Yeah. It's just bang, straight, drums, bass, synth, straight, the first second. 
It's yep. like, this is what we're going to do. This would be cool to hear now, nowadays, I think. Oh, yeah. That would be nuts. That would just be with, nuts. With the right band playing it. Yeah. Because anyone could cover it, but it's different when it's the band. So I'll just quickly round it, round it up, get it up by just saying um, I agree with everything that everyone said pretty much, except for Captain, who said that it was just kind of like it's just a song. I don't think you actually use those words, but that's the impression that I've got. I like it. I just there's just too many chants. Okay. Well, I, I don't mind the chants. I think this is a this is a blinder from the opening set. I mean, this is just a. Pure, just a pure slice of Minneapolis funk. I don't think you can get much purer because it's just so raw. But the thing about this, two things. One, the Fink's keyboard solos are just, man, I could listen to that forever. Just forever. Yeah. It's so simple, but it's so... It is the funk of the early 80s. I don't care what so, anyone it's says. It's so obviously... Now, when you know, it's so obviously him. It's his... It's that yeah. sound. It's the way he plays. Yeah. It's just you know it's him. Yeah. Like he just put he just presses one note on the synthesizer, does a little little thing to the modulator or whatever it is, pitch yeah. control, and it just sounds amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, Doctor Fink is 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 just incredible. Um, he needs to come back into the fold, I think. But um, the, the thing I want to say about Get It Up, and then we'll move on to, to the rest of the album, is this: Prince has, in recent years, made some pretty outlandish remarks, especially when it comes to his guitar playing. I think he said something of, along the lines of, "Oh, my guitar playing in the eighties, I'm almost embarrassed by it." You know, the, the way that it comes across. He obviously hasn't heard this song. For a long, long time. Because <laughs> the guitar solo on this, I think Tojay mentioned how incredible it was. It's just so raw. That's the thing that's so good about it. It sounds like he was just sitting there and he just went off on this tangent and just left it in in the song. That's what it sounds like. And that's what I love about this era. Yeah, that's it. Get it up. Classic Minneapolis funk. Coming straight off, no pun intended, coming straight off Dirty Mind, This <laughs> the raw thing is still here. For sure. Dirty Mind is just like raw demos. Controversy is a lot more polished. Yeah. But this is just in between. This is the bridge. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good um, way of ex- explaining what... <laughs> to the bridge. Take it to the bridge. <laughs> that's right. So, um, from track one, we go into track number two, and it is Girl... Who should I choose for this? Well, uh, after that ecstatic cr- uh, <laughs> <laughs> remark, Captain, why do you open up your review of Girl for us? I knew if I said something, I'd get to go first. It's just yeah. the way it works. Yeah. <laughs> this is a weird one for me. It, at first, I skipped it and just, uh, ballad, yeah, whatever. And then, I've, no, I'll give it a try. I've got to re- gonna listen to it, got to review it. So, I listened to it a few times. And after, like, five or six times, I don't mind it. I mean, Morris wasn't isn't the best singer back then anyway but i can close my eyes i can imagine prince singing this song because it's it's a prince song anyway and then it makes it a little bit better but obviously he was keeping the best tracks for himself for you know controversy and whatever was coming after yeah but this is still a pretty good song it's not great but you know i can't think of any ballads from 1981 because i don't care but um, this is probably better than some of them. 
Um, yeah, the only thing is Morris not the best singer, but it's not a bad song. I love the chord at the end of the chorus. It's a very Prince thing to do. Uh, there's one at 126, and there's another one at 146. And he used it in the early 80s on a few other songs, which I can't think of right now. But, yeah, listen to that, and you'll know. You just know. As soon as you hear it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, that one. But, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm not going to say Doomy Baby, but there are plenty of, like, this isn't the next Doomy Baby or anything, is it? But there are certain similarities here. And if you replaced Morris's vocal with Prince's vocal and tightened up a couple of elements in this track, you you could get it closer. So I think that this really is not a bad song. It's just that every time I hear it, I just think Lionel Richie. (laughs) This is like typical Lionel Richie early 80s. And I'll go as far as saying, if Lionel Richie released this song back in 1981, this track would end up on every Lionel Richie greatest hits essential <laughs> two CD co- compilation that you but not because it's like- any good just because it's Lionel Richie singing a ballad really <laughs> exactly <laughs> but he could just, release this now and it, if the it, shoe fits <laughs> so yeah I mean that's my review of Girl <laughs> are you trying to put Girl up against like three times the lady or something come three on times, did you say the lady <laughs> <laughs> three times the lady <laughs> three times Delilah <laughs> That, that's my review. That's my entire review, and uh, I'll take it to player because how can how could a player like player not not enjoy this song? Uh, well, it gets <laughs> wrong. <laughs> this is schmaltzy to me. There's mm. elements of the song that I like, and I can see that the song is trying to go for that big seduction ballad, but it's not quite the Doomy Baby and everything else that came after that, which is what I think he, he was aiming for. And I also think Morris's vocals are a bit weak or a bit strained to pull it off. Yeah. However, he sounds like he's yeah. really <laughs> trying hard, doesn't he? Yeah, he does, yeah. He's like, I really need to impress Prince tonight. <laughs> but I, can, I always imagine um, you know, Prince in the studio going, give it more, Morris, give it more. And Morris is like, <laughs> <laughs> He's like fish out of water. I cannot believe I'm doing this. See, I, I think I thought you said every- this was going to be a funk band. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Jerome? Someone bring me my mirror. <laughs> I can't do this shit no more. <laughs> but see, I think if they revisited this song and worked on the arrangement and re-recorded it today with a big lush production, it might be sort of fully realised. Because to my ears, in this format, it comes off a bit demo-y. But yeah, it's it's nice. However, it's not memorable. I also think, generally speaking. The persona of Morris Day doesn't really suit or is opposite to lyrical content in the ballads. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. If he was singing something like, Girl, I want to get you in your drawers. Yeah, yeah. It might be a little bit different. Well, I exactly. think uh, this is, you know, the second song off the first album. I don't think, obviously, the character, Morris Day sort of character hadn't really, like, there's elements of it, but it's not fully, uh, not fully arrived yet, so... Yeah. And I think that that's addressed on the next album and subsequent albums. But yeah, yeah, unfortunately, this one more often than not suffers from the skip button from me. Yeah. Toe jam. I pretty much agree. It's it's a pretty forgettable kind of ballad, and I mean even the you know the chord progression, this kind of. I mean that kind of things that's been done a, a zillion times. Three times know. a lady. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's Prince doing the. Yeah, he's doing the backup vocals, yeah. Backup, oh, yeah. Actually, kind of makes me cringe there. <laughs> and um, I, I kind of feel like it's trying to be this big sort of building seduction ballad, but it kind of feels like it, it peaks too early, but 
from nothing sort of thing. Like it's like it's sort of forced. Um, <laughs> I, I know what you're trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I agree. Uh, the only other thing I've got here, which we've all pretty much said, is that Morris is he, he's um he's not crazy enough to pull off this. Like he's he's crazy in a different way. Like he's comedically crazy, but he's not. He doesn't have that kind of weird prince thing to pull off this kind of big emotional connect kind of thing. It just it like everyone said, it kind of comes across a bit forced and uh, just not really happening. But it's not terrible. But I don't know which one's more skippable, this or the other one. But they're they're both pretty pretty low in the Prince canon. Yeah, I have to agree with you. Well, since since Prince has been in the mood lately of not writing new songs and going back to like you know extra lovable and dance electric, why doesn't he go back and do this and like player said, you know, fully realize this song? I reckon it'd be if he did it today, it'd be. It'd be great. It might be better, but I don't know if that it would be worth it. <laughs> it also makes me well, think, you know, given that there's another song, Prince song, called Girl, you know, kind of suggests the amount uh, of respect that Prince himself has of the song. It's almost like, well, he, he's happy to call him, re- rename another song after the same title. <laughs> it's like, it's almost like he's forgotten about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how forgettable it was. But yeah, I agree with that, what everyone said, so probably better to move on. Or is it? Moving on. Because moving on takes us into After High School. Um, look, I, I'll just very, very briefly say that this is, I think, the worst song on this disc. Oh, um, get out. Cool. You're off the show. Wow. You are off the show. Get <laughs> out of I here. Knew, I knew this would be Captain's favorite song. Get out. You're not straight. <laughs> Come on. Come on. This, is a, this has guys. Captain written all over it, this um, uh, This is just like... The thing that um, ruins it for me is... Or I should say, ah, the lyrics and all the vocals and all the wild, crazy stuff happening in the background and the title after high school. I, I, I like the music, right? But it's just, he did better when Controversy came out. Let me put it that way. With things like Private Joy and, you know, Annie Christian, Ronnie Took to Russia, all that kind of stuff. It was like just worlds away from this. So anyway, that's my entire review of this. It's just lackluster and, um, yeah, skippable. So, um... Off we go to off we go to player. Uh, I like this song to a point. It's very quirky in its sound. That keyboard riff is really cheesy. But in the um, context of 1981 and some of the other songs of that era, it doesn't seem too out of place. This is credited to Morris, but Des Dickerson says it was his. I don't know why he put his hand up for that. He can have it. <laughs> yeah. I think the song lyrics are too serious or going for a serious stay in school message as compared to the party style of the other tracks. But again, it's nice, but on any given day, I could either take it or leave it. Just depends on my mood on uh, at the particular time of listening. So, yeah. Okay. Okay. Toe Jam? I don't mind this song. I think it's all right. Uh, yeah. Sonic. School. I agree that, like, um, sonically, it sounds like it definitely came from the controversy sessions, at least. The clean guitars and the, the bass and the... Certainly, it certainly sounds different to the rest of the songs on this album. I don't know why. But I like it. It's happy. It's, it's <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I, I don't mind it. I like it. It's, it's got a nice vibe. And it, it actually really says to me that, you know, the market of this album, it's like, you know, this song is clearly aimed at that high school market, you know. I mean, how much more obvious can it get with a song song like this? Uh, and the you know the so happy major chords and the straight out danceable, I guess, pop that it's going for. It's good. I don't mind it. It's not bad. And again, you've got a chant at the end. You know, 
or that you know, hey you, high school. It's, you know, it's straight out of like um, mm. I can imagine it being in Ferris Bueller or some eighties school movie. <laughs> Ferris Bueller, something like that. What a what a testament! To, to I've got song. here um, at, <laughs> the last ten seconds or so of the song. There's an additional synth that comes in, which is really cool. Really brightens it up. So I like the song, Captain. We 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 can hear your deafening silence. Ah! <laughs> Why don't you I tell us about it? Why am I not surprised? I love this song. I, after I listen to it, I just can't get it out of my head. It's We need more songs like this. But just like Girl was, you know, getting to the point of Do Me Baby, this is, it's good, but he did better ones on Controversy as well. This was just like the warm-up. Let's just try this sort of song and that sort of song, and then and then he did Controversy, and they were all better than most things on this album. But it's great. It's got a great bridge as well. It's, there's some weird stuff, but it works. Starting at 2.27, it's it's a chant, but you can hear doing the hey you, and he's just trying so hard to sound punk. It's just hilarious. Every time I hear it, I just crack up laughing. It's just funny. you got the synths. That's all I've got to say about this song, except it's great. And, thank, thank gosh. And it's great. Thank gosh. Now we can move on to side two of the record. Started up with oh, side two. God. track number one on side two, <laughs> but track number four if you're listening to the CD version. Um <laughs> All you suckers on the CD. Exactly. You knew I was gonna. You knew I was gonna do this. Yeah. And it is cool. Ten minutes of it. All ten minutes of it. Let's go straight into this. Play out. I know you're, you've just been yearning. Yeah, I am actually. This is it. The jam of jams. This has everything going for it, instrumentation, lyrics, style and swag. It epitomizes what Morris Day and the time symbolize. Like if you had to explain to somebody the concept of the group to someone who had no idea who the time were, this would be the one track you would play to convey the message. And the fact that Prince has been playing this live recently with Michael Jackson's Don't Stop Till You Get Enough, if you strip the lyrics of both songs and listen to just the music, you can hear the similarities. And that's no more evident than that Coke bottle percussion sound. Yeah. Which I might add, Chile has been saying for the last couple of years that that's her playing on the MJ track, Uncredited, playing that Coke bottle sound. Really? Yeah. She's been saying that. Like, I, she said that at that clinic in Sydney when she was playing. So, yeah, and she said it again recently on, online. So, I thought that was kind of interesting. So, it kind of makes me wonder, back in 1981, if Prince sought musical inspiration from Don't Stop and... Oh, yeah, put- I... I- I totally agree because that's the first thing I've got written too. It's got that I wrote jingle jangle percussion straight out of Don't Stop. So. Yeah, and then yeah. Put, but Don't Stop doesn't have boo doo doo doo. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, then it's put, just coke bottles, water, and then then you get the spoons out. Yeah, <laughs> and then you go ding ding ding. And then they put Des Dickinson's lyrics over the top. But whatever it is, this is straight up classic and the early genesis of Minneapolis sound with the bass line and synths. And you put this on still 30 years later, and it's a party for your ears. This would have to be best track on the album, most memorable, and straight up C-O-O-L. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Toe Jam, cool. Tell us about it. How cool is this song? Hmm. It's, it's funky ass. Uh, that bass line, you go, you know, this... Um... Oh, man. I'll keep going. <laughs> That's ridiculous. There you go. That's funky stuff there. 
Yeah. I love the way the synth just comes in on beat three. You know, one, two. That's yeah. cool. Uh, and the drums are just straight one and three, two and four. Just funky as you get. And again, it's got that high school theme to it. Like, I love the video. I reckon that the video is so cool. I mean, um, what what person who's interested in music and, you know, especially in high school, like, that's what, you know, you have these, you want to just rock out in your classroom and just like, hmm. I'll show you, teacher, this is what funk is, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, the video is just, I love it. It's so right up my alley. <laughs> yeah, so you've got that funky bass and you've got that keyboard and then you've got the, just like the little guitar just going, uh, like classic Minneapolis funk stuff. And then you've got the chant, the C-O-O-L, like that first note, you know, it's this the sixth note of the, of the scale. It's kind of a, an odd note to start on. So it kind of builds a bit of tension and then it, you know, releases on the L, which is really good. The funniest bit in this whole song, at 4 minutes 28, what time is it? And you hear someone go four, and they, they say four right on beat four. <laughs> so it's like, what time is it? Four. You know. That's cool. And it only happens once in the whole song. <laughs> Check it out. Four minutes, 28. It's hilarious. <laughs> at five minutes, there's a synth and guitar solo that, that happen at the same time. And it, it's really spacious. There's like this, you know, kind of thing. It's really cool. This, is, this song is, you know, it's cooler than Santa Claus, baby. I mean, a lyric like that. <laughs> the funkiest bit I've got is that um, at five minutes, 40, there's a bit of a breakdown, you know, classic sort of funk breakdown. And then it comes in with this, Sort of line, and you know, it's I like always a, forget about that part. Yeah, it's so cool, it's so cool. And um, I think this is—I don't know if they've got it in the first track, but this is where you have the first look in a mirror reference. Maybe it's in one of the earlier songs, but that's the first one I've got it written down. But you know, that—that—that that, that, that epitomizes Morris Day in the time. You know, somebody bring me a mirror. <laughs> um, yep. So yeah, this is as funky as it gets. It's—it's it's probably the only song on this album that I would say is would be worthy on a, any Prince album. I think. And also, again, like, you know, this is their first album and he's talking himself up like he's the, the king of everything. You know, he's talking about his Learjet. It's like, come on, this is your first album as if you have a Learjet. <laughs> um, exactly. You know, so again, it, you kind of get the impression that there's, there's more behind this than just this odd band out of nowhere. You know, there's something yeah. behind it that's happening. So that's funky. I'll leave it there. Okay, so cool is, as you guys have just said, typical a typical staple of Prince and Minneapolis funk, really. Um, I also agree that it's the best track on this album. You know, it wasn't played live by Prince for a very long time and then brought back only in the last few years, really. And they do a great version. And and, um, when they did it in Australia back in May this year, 2012, it was just like the jam, the jam that brought the house down and they mixed it with, you know, Don't Stop Till You Get Enough and the, the place just went nuts. And I absolutely loved when... The bass dropped out and then dropped back in again. Oh, but yeah. speaking of, and that was in the live version that they did, but speaking of bass, this bass line is just, it's funny how some of the best bass lines in the world are so simple. Yeah. I think a band like Chic is probably a good example to reference at this point because. Yeah. Bernard Edwards. Yeah. I mean, Bernard Edwards, just how many classic bass lines can you possibly write? You know, yeah, exactly. Um, People like Bernard and then Larry Graham as well, and, and those kind of guys are just. But but this is more. I mean, it's, it's just it's so minimalist, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That's what I was going to say. It's almost like kind of like new wave funk. Not a lot there, but when you hear it, <laughs> you just get that feeling. And um, the baseline is cool, you know, itself. So I think it speaks speaks um, volumes about 
this song. So many minimal elements come together and they just create this massive funk jam. So I love it. I love it on the record. I love it live. I agree that this is on par with most uh, of Prince's studio work that he's credited for. (laughs) And I had to add that because as I was talking, I was like, it's on par with most of Prince's work, but it is Prince's work. So, (laughs) you know, it's his song and what a song it is. Captain. Take over this review and close out cool. Okay, this song, everyone said most of it already. You've got the don't stop till you get enough Coke bottle percussion. You know what? I I reckon it it is like a direct (laughs) MJ reference just to add on to what you just said there because, you know, he's using the time as a vehicle for like, like if he'd put this track on his own album, like, you know, I don't know if he wanted the comparison to MJ, but at least like... Being anonymous on this album, he could do it and see if he could get away with it. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like, and not be sort of sort of linked to MJ and and the Prince thing and all that. Because like, that, why else would he give give away such a like a hot track like this? It's crazy. Yeah, definitely. But then he starts playing cool. We've done stuff till you get enough, which is just funny to me. You'd think you'd want to avoid the comparison, even now. Now he wants to draw attention to look. Oh, look, Michael was so great that I even made this song similar to his. It's like a dedication. Yeah, I think think it's a dedication for sure. Uh, Longest track on the album, just over 10 minutes long. At 3.10, Morris says, what time is it? And it just sounds very strange. It's like he wasn't ready for it, but he sang it anyway, and it just sounds like really nervous and weird. Later on, he says it like in the normal way that you know. But go and listen to the one at 3.10 and it's just like, what time is it? It's just weird. <laughs> anyway, some cool solos starting at 5.01. Best part in this song is at 5.29 to 5.30. That, yes, that is, you know, two seconds, but it's just great. It's just this tiny little guitar bit with some harmonies and it's great. And then you got the cool synth solo, which Toe Jam said at 5.52. And every time I hear this song, I'm just waiting for that bit to come. And there's all the classic things. I'm cooler than Santa Claus, baby. Ain't, ain't nobody bad like me. And oh, it's just good. You got chant time, 7.32 to 7.47. And then you got another one, 8.25 to 8.40, with Prince again trying to be all punk in the background. And that's all. <laughs> cool, how good. And this whole cool, the, the, cool the song. How many times have we said cool in this review? This is ridiculous. But this sets up Morris Day... And that whole cool persona for yeah. the rest of his life. I mean, this is it. Everything that comes comes off as cool after this track is because of this. To me, it's like the crucial song. Probably the most crucial time song, actually, ever, I think. It, it's got everything. Yeah. It's got style. It's got the funk. It's got everything. So, Okay, so now that we're done with that funk monster, we go to Oh Baby. And oh my gosh, <laughs> I don't have a lot to say about this song. Um, I really wonder if if there's if we've got any fans in the house because uh, this doesn't do anything for me. Now that I really think about this this song in the context of this album, I start to see that half of this album has got killer material, other half not so much. And again, this is Lionel Richie eat your heart out. Now I, I, we've bagged Lionel Richie a couple of times, right? I just want to go on the record and, and, and say that there are some Lionel Richie tracks out there that I think have some merit. 
there's some great and songs. He's got, I mean, he's got a knack. You don't end up being one of the highest selling artists of all time, really, without being able to, to put a, a groove together or a tune together. So the guy's got some serious songwriting chops in the pop um, domain. But, oh, this is bad Lionel Richie. <laughs> I was just, just going to say, I love the way we're, we're reviewing this as if it is a Lionel Richie song. <laughs> 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 it's a, this is a bad Lionel Richie song. <laughs> it really yeah, is. I, I, I know what you mean. Like, there's like, there's a point in Lionel Richie's career where the first half is kind of like, you know, all the brick house stuff and the funky stuff. And then yeah. like, there's, there's a line drawn where everything after that's kind of like Michael Bolton-esque. Yeah. Exactly. Version of of Lionel. Can you imagine Michael Bolton and Lionel Richie doing a duets album? Ah, oh, I'd buy that. I'd be there lighting <laughs> it, up first day to get that. It wouldn't hey, be. Hey, it, hey, don't give him even any that. Ideas. Even that wouldn't be as bad as Oh Baby, though. Seriously, I mean, this is this is a pretty nasty track, not in a you good know, way. By the time this episode is is released, you know, it'll be in pre production. Don't you worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> They're so so that's useless for ideas these days. They'll take that's any- my. Re- <laughs> That's my review of this song. I just want to get to the last song really, really badly. So <laughs> please get through this quickly. Um, Toe Jam? Uh, I haven't got a lot to say. It's basically one chord, four chord, back and forth, over and over and over. A precursor to Jimmy Baby, if you will. There's some nice... The only thing I've got written is there's some nice arpeggios happening at three minutes, 40 to four minutes. And there's sort of falsetto singing over the top of that as well. That's nice. But the rest is just... Yeah, it sounds like an instrumental rehearsal jam you know it's like okay let's just rehearse these two chords over and over and over and <laughs> and uh morris you just keep singing oh baby and put some stuff on the top and that's what it sounds like it's a bit yeah. of a throwaway again i don't think they've ever revived this song probably for good reason and again i just think morris just doesn't do well on these sort of ballads i just find he's it's not funny like the other stuff you know he's good at the humor funky stuff but this stuff is just it just doesn't suit him i've always yeah. felt that way but you know, I guess in those days you sort of had to have a ballad on your album, so there's two of them on this one. I'll leave it there. Yep, all right, all right. Thank uh, gosh. <laughs> the only other thing, at the very end, there's like three seconds of silence and then there's, there's a big guitar slide. Yeah, yeah. That was, yeah. Who else noticed that? <laughs> <laughs> player. <laughs> uh, oh, player. <laughs> Snorefest. Again, I don't want to hate on this song, but it's just... Not memorable enough to hold my attention. I think Girl is more memorable than this, but only just. So, you know, skip, 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 skip. That's that's all I can say. And I'm happy with how this review is going. Captain, keep it up. Um, Really, I have nothing to say. <laughs> Most skippable track on this album. It's just too slow. It is seriously slow. <laughs> um, But I could hear this straight off, you know, either For You or Prince album. I think it was demoed around that era. Would not surprise me at all. Yeah, it yeah, sounds very much in that era. era. Yeah, it sounds like you know, like when we're dancing close and slow, something like that. It's just one of them really slow, boring ballad things that I don't care about. Um, next, <laughs> yes, next track number six closes out Time's debut album. I took that cue very quick, didn't I? The stick, <laughs> the stick. The ish, the stick. 
What can you say about this track? Just some more absolutely classic funk sounds. I'm going to take it to, to Captain to open up the review of this. Okay, then. Okay, Controversy is a great track because of one word, and that is interplay. I think this song beats Controversy. Wow. In the, in the interplay area. Just the drums, the synth bass, the actual bass guitar, the guitar. It's just so perfectly fitted in there. Like, arrangement is just insane. Hmm. I saw him play this, which is nice. What? Instrumental. He didn't sing it. And it's just a great song. The lyrics, you know, the, the obvious meanings, which could be about... Uh, some sort of something in the car or something nothing to do what with do you the mean? car this is just this is just a song about cars isn't it oh yeah <laughs> wasn't this a soundtrack to that cars movie pixar you know you could have just called it the transmission box it wouldn't it wouldn't have sounded as nice and this has got another you know classic somebody bring me a mirror and i think we got dr fink back yes we do since again 406 love his synth sound it's just crazy another chant 526 uh, but that's okay. Interplay. Oh my god, this song is great. I uh, I can't say anything else about it. <laughs> it's it's a tie between this and Get It Up for best track on this album for me. Cool doesn't make it as the best track for me for some reason. I think I've just heard it too much. It's the stick. Uh, no, I think I'll say the stick. Best song on this album. <laughs> just for the it's interplay. It's just every, the arrangement. Everything is just perfect in there. That's all. Player, you digging the stick? Yeah, this is. <laughs> Have you this been is... playing the stick? <laughs> <laughs> uh, much, much too quick. Um, this is good. Probably the third best after Cool and Get It Up. Suggestive sentiment, cool laid-back vibes, some great lyrics. My car is so bad it runs on H2O. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> and that... no, they predicted the future all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and that and that bass is the star of the whole song. Like just that lick that. Oh yeah, that's it. That's it. And is it Lisa? Is it Lisa doing the background vocals? It sounds like her. Yeah, this is another extended jam. When Morris says towards the end, "You can work the stick in my ride," I know it's supposed to have a different meaning, but it just comes off as wrong, man. Laugh, <laughs> <laughs> and then he does that laugh. Yeah. I I think the worst one is at 6.20 when he says, I don't need you, baby. I'll work the stick in my own ride or something. It's like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but as far as classic 80s funk jams, this would be right up there. Yeah. It's a, a really good song. I like it. I got him to work the stick in my ride, always in control with a strong hand and a smooth touch. <laughs> Car salesman stuff, eh? No, <laughs> I reckon. Uh, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, this is nuts. Toe jam. Yeah, it's pretty funky. It's in that funky key of C-sharp, which I always like. It's a bit of a precursor to the walk, I find. Same sort of tempo, similar kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, again, the bass line is just so funky in that even the little um, the, the bridge, I guess, the, um, you know, that bit. That's cool. Just real, you know, guttural kind of stuff. Mm. Funky bass. There's like a bit of a rock section at 4 minutes 50, which is kind of cool. Um, but I think for me, the highlight is just the, the chorus. You know, when you you have the, the lady vocals going, you just come too quick. And then you've got the synths playing over that. And the guitar playing something different and the bass like That bit just really locks in and it's really... That's what I'm I, talking about. Yeah. It really... Um, I, I keep using this phrase, but it just brightens everything up for that chorus section before it goes into this sort of darker stuff. And 
you know, that vocal melody as well, that that's so so bluesy and so um, you know, authentically again guttural kind of funk. Uh, and I like the way it finishes as well, just on that and then it just stops yeah. like that. That's cool. It's pretty long again, so I do like these I like the way that it's consistent throughout. You know, there's three long jams or four long jams with a couple of ballads in between. It's a nice little way to sort of put an album together, I guess. So yeah, that's the that's the stick. Is it just me, or I don't know if it's just the copy I've got, but this track out of all six has less treble. It's more. I was going to say that it it's sounds more muddy than all the other tracks. Yeah, it doesn't sound as well as recorded as the others. Yeah, which is sad because it's for me it's the best song on the album. It's just yeah, every time it comes on, like after whatever it was on before, the treble just goes down, and you're like, what? Yeah, it's it's this song's like deep and deep and funky, deep yeah. in the funk. I think um, as classic Prince, this is one of the coolest songs ever. By the time again, I think along with Cool, best song on this album. It's just so pretentious, <laughs> and I love it. You know the um, the metaphors for you know sex and cars is so overdone but this is like you know i'll take the top off my ride and all this sort of thing it's you know going too quick and i'm the <laughs> fastest driver i mean it's it's it i don't want to say that we're cheesy again but it's it is pretty cheesy <laughs> give me some satisfaction yeah <laughs> twitch the stick in my ride it's hilarious yeah i mean incredible minneapolis funk to round out this this album and i think um <laughs> Again, just that you, you just come too quick. I'd rather work my stick. Is I mean, <laughs> seriously, you just come too quick. I I'd never got the lyrics. I always thought it was ladies come too quick when I work my stick, but that's no. not what the lyrics are. No, no, no. You just. But that's always what I thought it was, which <laughs> oh, means please. you know that's his bragging. You know, look, I'm so great. <laughs> yeah, that's not, what, that's not what it is. I'm hanging around. <laughs> but that's what's cool about it. It's the you know classic. The man going, I'm so funky, and the lady going, Ah, oh, oh well, you know, very. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so look, a classic jam to to round up a I think a classic I think it's fair to fair to say, isn't it guys, that this is a classic debut release. Oh yeah. Although it's it's classic because to me it's classic because of three great songs, but really it's not a it's not a complete album. It was it was it's a precursor for what's to come, that's for sure, but it it certainly um opened the the doors to to what the time would would become just you know a, a just over a year later so it actually is. I do have something to say about the first album all right a lot of it was recorded in Prince's home studio at that time okay he's a major recording artist when he when he made this album but if you came up with these same sort of caliber songs I mean f- forget the um, ballads but if you keep saying the same caliber songs in your own bedroom you know if you put it in that sort of context it's it's a pretty amazing album and pretty amazing feat when you look at it that way and then to like hand off the the majority of that, some of these songs are like a one caliber, and they just hand it off to another group for them to use. That's that's pretty. Amazing. I think Prince Prince really was the first of the sort of you know I can make an album in my bedroom sort of kind of kind of guys. Like everyone these days, you know, everyone does it these days. You know, you had people like Stevie Wonder that played all the instruments on albums, but like I think Prince, with especially with this album, is really that the first kind of that modern I can do it, and not only can I do it, I can do it without. I can do it in my bedroom, you know. Well, yeah. I think a lot of that's got to do with like him recording all the time. Like he he built up a bit of money where he could actually put a studio of some sort in his house instead yeah. of booking studios. So he had that luxury of like just creating whenever he wanted until he got to a point where he could build his own complex Paisley Park. So yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at it that way, yeah, he was one of the sort of 
first to sort of do it that way, but it gave him that ability to record all the time. Yeah, I think that's a good point about recording in your bedroom and making the album all on your own. Although the only thing I'd add to that is, you know, that's 81, 80, maybe possibly recording sessions in 79, 1980, something like that. If you look at electronic musicians, even in the more on the more pop side of things, whether it be Kraftwerk or Jean-Michel Jarre or whatever. Gary Newman. Yeah, exactly. Gary, um, those kinds of guys. Devo. Yeah. They, they did a lot of stuff, you know, in their bedroom, so to speak. And and um, Devo to a lesser extent, but some of the more electronic music pioneers, you know, that they, I think they probably pioneered it to a greater degree than he did. But certainly within funk music, I think he was like that, the, the bedroom producer of funk music. And he kind of, I think, never really lost that. You know, you look at a release like 2010, there's some funky songs on that. And, you know, although Worlds Apart from the Times album, you know, those early Time albums, he's still, even today, is capable of going into his multi-million dollar bedroom <laughs> and pulling off some cool jams. So, anyway, that's a side note. Let's get into the second release, By the Time, in brackets, Jamie Starr slash Prince. What time is it? The Times. Time to get wild and loose. <laughs> That's right. The Times second album. Let's just go straight into the review of, of these songs because I'm sure we've got a lot to say about them. And uh, yep, Captain yelled it out. Track number one, Wild and Loose. <laughs> Take it away, Captain. Just like the first album, it's just bang, straight into it. Bass, drums, synth, all just from the first second. It's yep. just... and, and, and the end too, it, it cuts off at the end. So like the start and the end are just bang, start, bang, end. Yeah, it's crazy. I haven't got a lot to say because it's just it's just the great funky track. There's a few chants, but that's okay. Starting at 350, you've got the talking. And I've listened to that a few times and I, I still don't know what he was trying to say by putting yep. that on there. Because the yep. first thing the girls say a couple of times is, oh, that was the best concert ever. And then blah, 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 blah. Morris pisses them off. And then they're like, that was the worst concert ever. No, I love that. I think that's great. Because it's it, to me, I always see that as like the superficiality of it all. You know, oh, it's the greatest concert ever. And then the moment they actually meet him, it's like, that was the worst concert ever. You know, I, I think that's cool. I think it, I don't, I don't get what Prince was trying to say by putting that on there. Was he trying to say... You know, you can go to a concert and you can leave and it was great, but you don't want to actually meet that person because they might be a dick and then you I, won't I don't and, know. And I then, think it's, and then it's it'll all totally about... change your perception of how good that concert was. Yeah, but what the, what's cool about this is it's it's all about the character Morris Day. This this whole that whole section to me is is really introducing this is the character of Morris Day. You know, he's a slimeball yeah. funkster <laughs> that you don't want to meet, you know. But I think that works better on the start of Joke Out. That conversation works better that way because you can actually hear what they're saying. It's yeah. a similar sort of thing, but you can actually hear what they're saying. This one's funny because in the background, you can hear Morris, like, tell the other guys about, you know, what he's doing in the back of the bus. And that's just funny. And then the girls are talking about, you know, I talked to Morris on the phone and, and all that. But anyway, it's a minute and a half. It just annoys me. It's uh, I don't get it. But then you got a synth solo. That's okay. Six twenty nine. You got another chant, but it's the great one. It's right here under your shoe. That is that is a great chant. That's just a good one. This is the best track on this album right now. Uh, and we saw it. I gotta we gotta stop saying this, but we saw it May twenty twelve. 
Uh, he sang it a bunch of times. I don't know what else I can say. All right, all right. Player, wh- wh- how do you feel? What do you feel like when you listen to this song? My review is pretty similar to Captain's. It's a great way to open up the album. Another collaboration with Des Dickerson. It's a party yep. song about having a good time. It's also good to see Prince reviving this on the Australian tour with these other songs that have wild in them. Days of Wild, Get Wild, and of course this one, Wild and Loose. And the only thing that's cool about this song but doesn't really work is this, what Captain said, is this female and male chatter in the left and right speakers or in your headphones. You can't really single out what each other's saying that clearly, but I think that's just the limitations of their recording equipment and the levels of that time because Prince has incorporated similar conversations since into his songs and they're much more audible. But that aside, this is a great jam. Okay, okay. Uh, speaking of jams, Toe Jam, Wild and Loose. I haven't got too much more to say because it, it really is just a seven-minute jam on the same sort of thing all the way through. You know, And again, like I said, it's to me, it's all about because there was hints of it in the last one, especially on Cool, but this one, it's this album to me. It seems like they've really got the idea of the this is who the this is the persona of the band, you know, especially the Morris Day character. You know, the way that the girls are like, you know, I met Morris, and you know, he called me on the phone. It's this setting up this, you know, this uh, persona of Morris Day, the the slimeball funkster. And uh, so you haven't got too much more to that. You know, it's a good E minor jam. It just stays on that one chord all the way through, pretty much. Lots of solos, funky stuff. Um, great way to open the album. Fun, okay. Even as, as annoying as that 90 seconds of talking is, the funniest... I, like I can't believe you guys don't like it. I think it's fun- cool. Oh, I like just, it. Just I like the it. end of it is the funniest where Morris says, well, you sure don't look like you sound. That's just, <laughs> that's just funny. <laughs> but that's the only, like, relief I get out of 90 seconds of crap is that last funny line. But it doesn't also, is it this one as well, where halfway through the girls are speaking, some other guy comes along and goes like, hey, ladies, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, get well, away kind of thing. Yeah, that's that's just before they realise they're standing right behind the time. Yeah. And, and again, and, it's and a, me, guy it's com- like, a guy comes up and goes, oh, do you want to go to a party? And they're like, get lost, jerk, or something. Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, it's, I love that. It's like, they're, they're so superficial, those girls. Yeah. It's like, you know, they're that kind of party girls at concerts and stuff, you know. And I don't know which girl it is, but so many times she's just like, Oh, yeah. Like, in normal conversation. It's like, you don't talk. Like, maybe people in 1981 did talk like that. But I didn't know anyone who talked like that. It was, it's just, I don't know. Well, I'll close out the review of Wild and Loose by saying this is an incredible opener to the album again. Just like Get It Up on the previous album. You guys are right. He just hits the ground running with this. And the great thing about this is Wild and Loose, the title of the song, is completely... Not the way I would explain the song in musical terms. It is tight as hell. Mm. Tight as heck, isn't it? I mean, the dr- and I, I, I love to no end the sound that he's got on that snare and the cymbals on this track. It's just brilliant. So oh, I don't know, just so funky. <laughs> I can't, I can't, descri- I can't find words to describe how funky the sounds are. And the beat and- on this isn't that different to like chlorine bacon skin. No, not at all. Even just the sound they've got on the drums. In 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 fact, Chlorine Bacon Skin has got yeah, very similar. I was going to say very similar drum sound. Yeah, it does. As you've just said, and it's just ridiculous. And the um, ah, oh, I don't know the drum work. It just sounds so funky. This is turning out to be a terrible review of the song, isn't it? I, I just it's hard to it. it's hard to say stuff about this song because it is just a big jam on one yeah, key. So that's all it is. It's like so funky, and the bass is so funky, and. I love how, like, sometimes the bass, he, he, he plucks the bass lines in between the snare and then yeah. sometimes right on the snare as well. And it just gives you this impression of 
it kind of is it's a bit loose and wild <laughs> the beat and the, but but it's not because it's super super tight and in the pocket but yeah this is a great song and you know it wasn't played live for years and years and years and then they brought it back to um interpolated it with a few other songs in australia and that was great to hear as well so well, yeah what can you say about it let's go straight into track number two seven 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 ninety three eleven This has to be one of my favorite songs of all time. The groove on this is, I, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say, this is the funkiest groove ever yep, in wow. terms of drum machine and bass. Mm. This is, you know, this is the sugar. It, it doesn't get any funkier than this. I've hi-hat. heard, L- lots of yeah, hi-hat. oh, the hi-hat's insane. Now, insane. I've heard, I, I've heard that the drum pattern on this was actually like a, um, a, like a stock drum pattern from like out of the box no way, no way. I, I really hope it's not i really hope it's what, not because built into the lin apparently no. I, oh, I, don't know. No. I have no idea how true that is um i i really do hope it's not because that's the only thing that makes me think oh maybe it's not as good as i thought it was but whoever that was whoever programmed that drum machine beat whether it was some guy in japan or whether yeah. it was prince or, <laughs> that that is the funkiest drum beat ever and um going a bit off topic straight away but to have someone like john blackwell play it the way he plays it it's it's unbelievable he doesn't do the hi-hat though does he not like on the album i i think it's pretty hard to do like i've yeah i've tried to learn it a few times myself and i've I've watched countless youtube versions of people playing it on drums and there's some really good ones and there's some really terrible ones but (laughs) none of them really can get that the lin drum sound on it but i reckon blackwell's blackwell gets closest i think i wish i had more to actually i wish i had written more down um, but before I get to the bass line, there's always controversy about the guitar solo on this one. Is it Jesse Johnson? Is it Prince? I'm kind of torn on this one. I'm not, I can't really say. I, I think it might be Jesse because there's nothing out in there that absolutely screams out to me that it, it must be a Prince solo. But there's bits in there that think, well, that, that kind of sounds like Prince. So what do you guys think? You reckon it's Jesse or Prince? I think it's Prince. I think it's Prince. I think okay. it's Prince just going mental with, yeah. you know, like with feedback and stuff, which, you know, some of the stuff ended up like on, uh, is it the end of Private Joy? Yeah. Yeah, that kind and, of which stuff. Which ended yeah. up in like orgasm and stuff like that. Just, yeah. just, you know, going absolutely mental and not giving a crap. Letting it and feedback. And then he's like, yeah, yeah. I'm just going to leave it on there. But also to knowing that he's writing it for another group. And I think he knew at that time what the kind of caliber Jesse was as a guitar player. So, like, he could, you know, record the guitar in an insane way and know that Jesse could pull it off, like, live if they ever had to do the song. You know? Maybe maybe that was Jesse's punishment. You see, what happened was, <laughs> this is my guess, Jesse pissed off Prince one day, so then Prince put this solo on the album and he's like, you need to play that every night, sucker. Yeah. That's <laughs> what he did. <laughs> well, it's like Dave Grohl... Um isn't one of the Foo Fighters albums like you know the guy he'd hired a guy to do drums and he recorded it and then the following day without the other guy knowing Dave Grohl just came in and played all the drums over it anyway and then you know <laughs> the album comes out and he's like that's not me playing drums and you know Dave Grohl's like yeah I, I know sorry about that <laughs> um, but anyway let's get back to this funky drum machine and funky bass what makes it so spectacular is that the first kick drum and the first note of the bass it's it's on the second semiquaver so it's not on beat one it's not in between it's not halfway between beat one and two it's like one quarter between beat one and two yeah yeah uh, that's really what makes weird. it so funky yeah. i'll try and give you an example if it was on beat one this is what it would sound like something like this 
Something like that. Like, that's funky enough. Let's say it's on halfway between bit one and two. This is what it would sound like. Again, perfectly funky, but put it on in between those two. So in between bit one, in between halfway between bit one and bit two. And that's, that's where the funk kicks in. Whatever it is, but you know that—that's what makes it funky. And the the kick drum does that as well, which is insanely hard to play on drums because your kick drum, you like—I don't know—I'm not an expert drummer, but you know your your foot just wants to go down on one, and to hold it back just that half a second is is really hard. Uh, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there. But yeah, that makes the song. That makes the the groove just so tight. And there's so much stuff that's also happening. The little jangles in the guitar and the that other line that's sort of like something like that. You know, cool stuff. Just hooks hooks all the way through. And again, just the the lyric. You know, it's about a guy trying to get a, get a girl's number, and he's got the girl's number, and he's going to call. You know, oh no, it's his number, isn't it? Yeah. Whatever it is. You know, classic 80s phone call kind of song. You know, yeah. Call me. Call me. You know. <laughs> when I was talking about the drum beat and drum pattern, also because this drum pattern's so odd, there's around about 30 seconds, the, um, you know, these claps, these really tight clap sounds go on two and four. Yeah. And it's really necessary. Without those claps, I reckon three quarters lose, of the way through the song, yeah. when all the guitar solo's going and everything's going crazy, you would, I reckon you would kind of lose, you'd yeah. lose where one is kind of thing. And it's really yeah. necessary that you have those two and four in there. So that's, that's right. Yeah. Good arranging. It's happening there, and also the other thing is, I think this is the first song that has the um the very classic Minneapolis that sort of uh, yeah love the song. I'll finish it there. But yeah, seven 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 is probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Yeah, Ooh. definitely. All right, and uh, Captain, what do you think of that seven digit numbered song name title seven seven ninety three eleven? This song, well, what a beat this is! That bassline is just great. It's a great chorus. This song sounds to me like it was um, one of those, was, oh God, who the hell was it? Was it Sheena Easton or Sheila E who said, you know, la la la, he he he, you know, you can't make a song out of that? Who said that? Uh, Sheena Easton, I think, yeah. Sheena Easton. This is like that. It's like, you know, you can't make a song out of a phone number. And this is this is what he comes up with? Are you kidding me? Actually, isn't the story, wasn't it Des Dickerson's phone number? That's, some, was someone in the band's phone number, actual phone number. Let's ring it now. <laughs> <laughs> Or it was, yeah, whoever it was, I remember there's stories about, you know, this person just continuously getting phone calls and had to change his number. <laughs> yeah, you would. There's a, there's a lyric, there's a line, something about slap my face, and then, of course, you hear the slap. You know, he started early doing that, this sort of stuff. And then later on, you've got just the bass going, and it's funky, but compared to the way he plays it now, like on the bass, it's, it's nothing. He's chucked in so many extra little licks over the years, and now when he plays it, it's just insane. But um, you've got the guitar solo starts just before five minutes, and off it goes. There's just some huge feedback moments in there, and it's just insane. I think it's Prince just, you know, just losing it and not caring. He's like, it's not going to go on my album. Who cares? And then when the guitar finally, the guitar solo finally stops, it is, it's so quiet. Because it's just, you know, it's just, it assaults your ears and then it just stops instantly. And then you just got like the, the drums and stuff going after that. It's just over eight minutes. It's very long. Uh, it's a great song. And that's all i got to say. I accept. I saw Prince play this as well. Ha <laughs> ha. This and the stick. Oh, it's great. Player, what's the deal? What's the deal with this track? 
Okay, this is really where it's at. Where do you start? The chorus has a hook. The bass line is a hook. The chicken grease guitar, the synths are nasty. The drum machine is its own unique beat. The hi-hat is a pattern within itself. Like, there's so much going on in this one song, but everything has its own place and nothing gets in the way each other or anything else it just fits together perfectly now the story goes that the number was Dez's number his own personal number and he uh-huh. had problems when the, when the song came out but I always question the inspiration for this song if it's not a funk attempt of that 80s song uh, Jenny 8675309 because to me it's a real strange coincidence that those two songs have a phone number as the hook in the chorus and they came out within half a year of each other mm. so There's I had a bit no of a history doubt. though of like pop songs Phone number pop songs. Didn't like, Wilson Pickett have one? Maybe. I'm thinking also, there's also one like a Glenn Miller one from the 40s as well. Like, hmm. there's a bit of a history of songs just lamed after phone numbers. Yeah. But that that particular song, that Jenny song, came out like six months before this one. So I have no doubt that that song served as some sort of inspiration for this one. But then on the flip side, you know, this song in turn has been an inspiration for others. I mean, being sampled by Tupac on the song Watch Your Phone Number is one example. But yeah, great track work. I wonder why Prince didn't keep this one for himself, to be honest. It may be... Um, um, it could be that maybe this one had a bit more from Des and from Morris and from Terry and you don't know. So maybe that's why. Because it is a, an amazing groove. It is, yeah. And um, what else can you possibly say? <laughs> seven, 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 ninety-three, eleven. 11. Um, well, the, the one thing I will say is that this song is interesting in the first 30 to 45 seconds. Heck, call it the first minute. Yeah, because really, what it does is it it takes all of the elements that end up making the song so incredibly funky further down the line. It ends up putting all those elements together in a really interesting way, almost in sequence. And I, I had that has to be deliberate as well, given that the, the groove is so thick and is so all over the place, like syncopated and off beats and all this kind of thing. If if yeah. you didn't have that intro to to really hear where everything lies, it might be a bit tricky to hear it straight up. Mm. Yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be a just a headbuster to listen to. Can you um, imagine how bad this could sound in the hands of an incompetent band? Can you imagine how horrible and messy this could sound? Well, like I said, YouTube YouTube drum people playing it on drums, and there's some like it's a tough beat, tough beat, and like yeah. there's some pretty shonky ones. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to have a look. But yeah, that, that's the thing. That's the thing about this, or at least one of the one of the key reasons why I absolutely love this song, musically speaking, is because it introduces the funk systematically. You know, mm. here's the here's the drum beat. Here's that snare. Here's that type programmed. He breaks it down, but from the yeah. very first second. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The and whole the, the whole intro. The you're right. The whole intro is a breakdown. <laughs> You've said it better than anyone. It's like just it's a reverse. This... Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it is a breakdown. It starts from nothing and go, then goes, builds it up. Exactly, and he builds it up. And and the other thing is, when I hear that first minute or so, I'm thinking to myself, is that the sequence that came about as a result of him trying to put this track together? So, in other words, did he program that beat first and then add the bass and then add the guitar and add all this other stuff? I reckon I just... the beat. I reckon the beat came first. 
Yeah. And then everything, but what I'm saying is I wonder yeah. if everything else came in, came to him in the same sequence that we're hearing. Yeah. You know, that'd Maybe. be, that'd be yeah, kind of cool. Could do. But the beat, yeah, the beat had to come first. There's no way you could just have the bass and the synth and then go, oh, I need a drum beat. <laughs> and then put this onto it. No way. Who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe he had that, that bass line or sketched out or lying around somewhere and he was like playing around with his beat and then thought, oh, wow, I have got the perfect bass line for this. <laughs> and then just put it together. Because when you put those two together, it's nuts, isn't it? Um, yeah. I remember we, um, well, when I say we, I, I don't know who else was there that night, but I certainly heard this live at the basement in 2003 and John was on point. I mean, it was ridiculous. And then Rhonda came on the bass with the, with the funky licks so it was nuts and and anytime you hear this played by john blackwell prince or ronda or just sounds absolutely nuts and hasn't didn't prince in one of those interviews long ago <laughs> mentioned something about how he was proudest of this bass line or or that it was yeah, one of his favorite or something like that and, yeah i think he did yeah you know yeah, there's, there's if that's the case, it's fairly it's really obvious why it would be. And the other great thing about this song is its playfulness and it's really the music propels it forward. It wouldn't matter what the number was. It wouldn't matter what they were singing. It wouldn't matter. Any of, any of that wouldn't matter. It's just the groove is so on point. And it's another groove. Wild and Loose, 7793-11. And then that hard rock section comes in and I'm thinking, who is this band? <laughs> you know, who am I? who am I listening to here? Nuts. One for the ages, one that I feel like listening to right now, as a matter of fact. But we can't talk about this incredible song forever. So from 7793.11, we go into a little ditty. One day I'm going to be somebody. One day I'm going to be somebody. Stand out here. I think I know one guy on this show that likes little pop ditties, so I'm not going to go to him. I'm going to start off with Player. Okay, this is the oddball track on this disc, like After High School was on the first one. It's good and it's sort of cut from the same cloth as Delirious and those other songs from this era with that similar sound, but it's only short and that's probably a good thing. I don't really have anything else on this one. It's It's... Cool little song. But again, like like every other track, you know, that comes after like a major track, you know, this is the, um, you know, if you had a song coming after If I Was Your Girlfriend or if this one came after, you know, 777, you know, it's it's not going to be. In that sense, it's probably pretty well placed. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you wouldn't put another 7, 8, 9, 10 minute funk bomb Right after, right up, yeah. you know, right after those first two, would you? So it was pretty nice. That's right. Yeah. I, look, I agree with you. I think it's... A little pop ditty, really. Um, it, it's it feels kind of hurried to me, and I'm I'm not just saying that because of the tempo, but it's kind of I don't know. It doesn't re- again. It doesn't really go anywhere. Actually. Like an afterthought, almost. Yeah, almost like it was supposed to be on the first album. I think this album would have been better without it. Without it on there. But how can you not love that? We new don't wave. like new wave sample. That's just classic. Yeah, I don't know. It, it's just a bit. Okay. <laughs> I really don't know what to say about it. Can anyone help me out, uh, Captain? Oh, yeah. Here we go. I really Uh-oh. wish Prince did more songs like this. What a surprise. I, l- I like this song. I don't love this song. I like this song. But two things. It's too short. And, again, it doesn't go anywhere. There's no There's no bridge. There's no verse. It's just, it's just, it just goes for, like, two minutes. And then it stops. And then you've just got, you know, the, all the idiots laughing. And Prince is one of them. And it's so obviously him going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. It's just so dumb. 
I laugh my head off every time. It's um, it's a very immature laugh, isn't it? Well, he, he was. He was. Yeah. That's the funniest thing about it. But is that section a whole big was? dig at Andre Simone? Ooh, I never thought about that. Whoa, because... whoa. Player throws down the bombshell. Because... <laughs> This is the first sort of album. Living in the new wave, that's right. After controversy, and he released that album, Living in the New Wave, and then, like, they got that joke, we don't like new waves. So I always Uh saw it as that, and then they're laughing hysterically. (laughs) That's hilarious. I never noticed. Never thought of that. Uh, Because I've always wondered, like, what relevance that had. Like, you know, the song suddenly stops and they just say this thing. And that's the only connection that I can make. But at the same time, it kind of also fits into that into that pimp-esque attitude, doesn't it? It's yeah. Like- We're funky and no one else is. Kind of. Yeah. But also, but that- too, I think, I think um, in this era, a lot of critics were labeling maybe the time and Prince as new wave artists. So maybe it was like laughing back at them, we're not new wave. I don't know. I don't know what the connection is, but that I would like to know what 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 that yeah. is behind all that. Let's ask uh, Andre. Andre, what do you think? And he'll just say, doo-doo-doo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, it's a great arrangement. The drums and the synths are just great. I just wish it, it had more to it. You it's know what, just... Captain? I don't disagree with you. I think the arrangements are not bad, but it just doesn't go anywhere. Mm. It just needs something else. It needs a bridge or it needs a, a solo. It just needs something apart from two minutes of w- whatever it is. Okay. Uh, let's go to Toe Jam to wrap this one out. Does this bring the album down? Or what's going on here, Toe Jam? I think uh-huh. it's... <laughs> I think it's... um. Like someone said earlier, it's it's a breather track. You've had two monster jams, mm. and this is a breather. So in that sense, it, it actually does pretty good for what it's supposed to do. You know, it's a it's a little Prince rockabilly song. It reminds me very much of Drive Me Wild, Vanity Six song. Sort of similar kind of soundscape, similar kind of rhythms, etc. Yeah, you know, it's about dreams and optimism. You know, one day, you know, trying to this guy's obviously working at a washing cars or something like that. I forget what it is. I think um, that was Morris's job before he got offered the thing from Prince. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit autobiographical in its lyrics, yeah. I think. And again, it, it is kind of that same as the after high school thing. It's really going for that young market. Like, you know, one day I'm going to be somebody. Like that kind of, I'm um, finished high school and now I'm going to be somebody kind of attitude. But yeah, it's got that big, we don't like new wave ending, which is an interesting way to end a song. So I'll leave it there. I'll just say quickly that um, it actually reminds me a little bit of sexuality, or the the beat does. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Just popped into my head randomly. And, well, that finishes side one, doesn't it, boys and girls? Oh, here we go. Okay, no, track number four, uh, (laughs) The the Walk. Speaking of long funk jams, here comes another one. You know, I can just do this in my sleep, I guess. Maybe that's what he was thinking. The Walk. Captain. The Walk. I listen to this song and I what I think is it's such a great like snapshot of what, you know, this type of music sounded like yeah. at the time. It's just, you know, the, the synths are just great, the bass just grooves along, the drums, it's just it just sounds you know, you talk about a song sounding dated, and I've always said that's not a bad thing. This song exactly, this song sounds exactly, you know, the time it came from, and that's fine. 
because it was great. But um, it's the longest track on this album. It's just over nine and a half minutes. But it's not the strongest track on this album. But how could Wild and Loose not be a single? It's crazy. Mm. You know, that's obviously the, the monster on the album, plus 777, which was a single. But, yeah, what else can I say about this one? Another line from this song, which Prince sang in May 2012 in Australia, was, uh, he almost said the line exactly, but he said it differently. In the song, it says, all right, you Polaroid, stay in time with the drummer. But in Sydney, he said, all right, you Polaroid, stay in time with John. Close enough. <laughs> I just had to say that. Because it's such a funny line. It's, it's a bit of a put down, you know, you Polaroids, uh, but it, yeah. it keeps it funny. Because they're standing still, right? <laughs> That's the way I always interpreted it. I, I never got it at all. So yeah, that that, that, makes, that makes sense. They're just standing there. Yeah, well, that's what I... That, when I first heard it, I'm like, I don't even know what this means. That's what I thought. I thought it was a put down of the audience, how they're so cool and the audience is just standing there watching them being cool and they're like, yeah. all right, you Polaroid standing still, just stay in time with the drummer, all right? <laughs> it's like, that's how we... That's how cool we are. Not only are we playing a cool song, but we're going to tell you how to like... How to react to it. You got to stay in time with the drummer. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm overexerting myself. It's just got some classic, it's got some classic lines, like talking lines. Cause this is the one where, you know, she, she can't dance because she's, her jeans are too tight. <laughs> it's just great. But yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> I think this is the song where that sense of humor really, really packs a punch. Yeah. It, it just comes out and, I, I personally think that the chorus is one of the funniest things he's ever put to wax. Hmm. Everybody walk your body. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that has to be some of the driest, funniest humor. But it really ever. goes back, because you know how they're sort of going for this sort of old man vibe as well, you know, in the old suits. You, know, yeah. it's like, you imagine like an old man doing a walking dance. <laughs> I'll, I'll walk up there. You know. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. Like every time I hear that line, it's like everybody walk your body, and it's like, well, that's what I'm doing, isn't it? I'm walking down the street. <laughs> but like, get that rock and stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Was I don't want to. I don't want to jump, jive, and wail. I want to walk. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's I, so many classic lines in this song. There's too many just... to name. I love that part where he says, "Baby." <laughs> How'd you fit all that in them jeans? <laughs> Wasn't well, yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's Mary, sweet mother Jesus. <laughs> it's just, it's so funny. That's hilarious. hilarious. It's like, damn, baby. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, I told you. <laughs> I warned you. My favorite bit in all of that is when she goes, how do I put this on? I guess the tag goes at the back. <laughs> you know, it's like this real square woman wearing jeans doesn't know how to put it on. That's hilarious. Hey, and- buddies, what time is it? <laughs> That's not from this song, is it? Oh, yeah. Another one. Oh, maybe it? not. But yeah, I mean, the, the spoken section is absolutely hilarious. It's it's just goofball stand-up <laughs> comedy, isn't it? And um, and But the best part about it is right at the end where he, when he says something like, why don't you pimp my ride? Or I don't know. I can't remember what the exact lyrics are. And then he he um, yells out that trademark Morris Day, you, you know, laugh. Yeah, that, you got it. <laughs> oh, that was pretty good. Pretty good, Captain. It's about a 9 out of 10. That that laugh is just, just a crack up. And, uh, and that, that's what this song is to me. It's just funny. 
it's a i think it's kind of like it's got the, the the synths are funny and the beats funny and the grooves tight but it's like tongue-in-cheek musically and definitely lyrically and just another i mean how many jams between 81 and 82 all these jams are coming out of where you have to ask yourself they're just coming out of this guy's head and um a bit of a peak period isn't it it is yeah and then when you add into the stuff that was happening in controversy and 1999 and the other side projects you go 79 80 81 82 just the amount of songs that he wrote Songs that he released himself, songs he gave to the time, songs he gave to Vanity Six, and all the outtakes that are still sitting in the vault. Mm. It's just insane the number of songs that he wrote in those three or four years. Yeah, and but to me, more so eighty one and eighty two. I mean, those yeah, are yeah. The, those are you know ma- many times people talk about the the, the key Prince years being eighty four, eighty five, eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight. To some people, ninety one, ninety two, or 81, 82 are really, when you really look closely, I mean, these are some of the funkiest jams of all time by anyone. And uh, this is another one. What, you know, what else can you say? Toe Jam. Yeah, pretty funky. Again, I think this is kind of like they jammed on the stick for a while and they kind of got this concept. A similar sort of, I don't know, they, they just remind me. Yeah. They're very kind of similar. Yeah. I like the kind of silly, like, sort of army thing going through it, like, attention! And then, um, you know, (laughs) up, two, three, three, four, four. you know, it's got this almost kind of village people thing going on. (laughs) But yeah, that that conversation is is hilarious. And also the odd odd bit, the the one that's funny, but at the same time makes you think that's a bit strange, is the, you know, Rocco likes his freedom. (laughs) You know, that little conversation going on there. There's like, there's a third party in this conversation. Yeah. I don't. I actually don't get that. Can someone explain that to me? Uh, Captain, you can do that. So. Oh yeah, that's that's where he's talking about his pants. You know, easy access, baby. Oh, that's right. And it's like okay. besides, Roller likes his freedom. Yeah, that's it's just right. classic. Now this is the one that has the Jingle Bells quote. Uh, there's the guitar solo references Jingle Bells. Yep, yep. One of my favorite bits in this song is when it's doing the you know we don't like such and such and we and don't, we don't like, like this and, and we like we don't like that and I'll try and play the bit I'm talking about. What is it? We don't like television. Something uh-huh. like that. That's cool, that bit. But yeah, back to this bass line as well. Time always have funky bass lines. The cool thing about this one is that it's just those three notes on the second bar. You know, the... It's got everything else, you know. Just those three notes. The bass line could be doing anything as long as it hits those three notes in the second bar. That's what makes the walk. Well, it's a typical walking bass line, isn't it? Yeah, you can do anything with it. As long as you got those three notes, it'll work. <laughs> and I like the, I love the breakdown bit. You know, it builds up and little guitar man, make your mama proud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, cool stuff. And then you know the bass comes in, going to walk Terry, and the bass line. Yeah, that's cool. Oh, that's that's cool. so cool that bit. <laughs> oh, I love the whole um, grace thing too. My name's not Grace. Yes. All right, Grace. (laughs) (laughs) That's classic. And there's also the, you know, butt my ass. Hey, play on words. Hey, play on words. I love that. I totally forgot about that. Like, I think this one in Wild and Loose and 7-7, like, these are staple time songs. And, you know, it's hard separating them because they're all very funky. So I'll leave it there, the walk. How many classic lines are in this song? It's Ridiculous. Like, None of my ladies wear gloves. It's just classic. <laughs> Put on a camisole. 
What, yeah. What was that other one? He said, like, damn, I'm about to walk a hole in my Stacey Adams. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just never stop. Walk it's other... for the cool, baby. Put on a camisole. That's the one. <laughs> Hurry up, Grace. <laughs> Classic lyric writing, isn't it? Who's next player? Yeah, everyone. everything's pretty much said. It's real laid-back funk. Reminds me of a stick a little bit. I think it's the piano chords in both that that song and this song that sounds similar to me, but at over nine and a half minutes, they really stretch this one out. It's a good song with good synth hook. You know, that... You know, that's really, really cool. Nothing really stands out much more for me to mention here. The conversation with Vanity is pretty funny. It's a good funky track. Yeah, I really like it. I also, just on the lyrics, I'm just, just finishing off. All the musicians will appreciate this. Right right towards the end, I notice there's, there's a lyric that says something like, uh, after the, I'll introduce you to a headache line, it says, okay, baby, now check this out. We're going to walk till the song's over. In other yeah. words, meet me at the bar in 32 measures. Cool? Yeah. It's a Get good it? Yeah. <laughs> Although I counted, I counted. And it, it wasn't. Goes, and it's not. It, goes, it, gets, it gets to about 24 and then it fades out and you miss it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I would love to know what's on the original recording, what happens at 32 measures. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you work the stick in my ride. Well, that's like in um, Superfungacalifragisexy, he says something about seven yeah. measures, and it's that's... not, because I've listened to it. Yeah, that's right, yeah. yeah. It doesn't always come true, does it? So, The Walk goes into track number five, the second last track on this relatively short album, Gigolos Get Lonely 2. They do. Aww. Yeah. Look, I have to say, and I'll be very, very quick with this. I think this song is better than any of the quasi ballads on yep. the first time album. Yep. Mm-hmm. The production's better. It's more like a smooth R&B groove. And you can hear, I think, actually, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis probably took a lot from this and used it in their later R&B career because this is... Smooth R&B. There's no doubt about it. And Morris actually sounds a little bit more believable as the vocalist here. Because yep. he sounds like a gigolo who's kind of putting this this on. Not a massive fan of the song, but it's it's all right. Much, much more better arrangement, and this, actually. And this was well. a single, too. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, someone must have liked it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I think the arrangement is better and uh, just better overall. Captain. Oh, really? <laughs> no, 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 not Captain. I mean, um, a player. Players get lonely, too. Not strictly a ballad, but a track like this is more suited to the style of the time and the persona of Morris Day. And having this as just the only quote-unquote slow song on the album was a good idea, as it doesn't drag the pace of the album down overall like the way it does on the first album. The instrumentation's very sparse, but not dull or uninteresting. It's a cool song. I really like it. All right, all right. Toe Jam? Uh, I agree. It's definitely the best of the slow songs from these first two albums. Uh, I actually kind of like the progression in this one. I'll have a go at playing it again for everyone because I really like the um, the synth slash uh, string kind of carousel-like line, that just sort of hanging line. That's quite nice. Something like this. Something like that that goes through it. That's kind of cool. Very uh, spacey. Yeah, I like those sort of lines. A lot of Prince, Prince does that a lot in his early work, has those sort of s- spacey strings that just hold sustained notes and mm. kind of build tension and sort of walk around. And it's nice. The vocal breakdown at three minutes is nice. It's a cool sort of chord progression. I agree, it's definitely, it suits Morris a lot better. Morris does a better job on it. And it fits the album really well, I think. It doesn't sound out of place at all. So I'll leave it there. 
And we leave it. Well, we leave Captain to round this up. Captain. Oh, yeah. Most skippable track on this album. <laughs> I can hear Prince singing this and it'd be okay, but yeah, I agree. This suits more to Morris's persona than than him singing Girl or Oh Baby. Hmm. Because, you know, what he's talking about, it, that's him. But singing, you know, other ballads like that is just... I think they learnt from the first album, you know, that's that's not what Morris does. Yeah. And, um, yeah, this is a lot more suited for him, but uh, I've listened to this probably twice. And both and, times and, was for this review, probably. Yeah, and both times was more than enough. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a nice quick review of that, and we go into the last track on this classic LP CD release. Um, I Don't Want to Leave You. Let me try to love you, I know I could. I don't want to go. Are there any fans in the house? Yeah. Okay, well, the one fan in the house take over the review. <laughs> this is up. a really good upbeat pop song with the Minneapolis sound flavor sprinkled throughout it all. It has everything going for it. It's a catchy chorus. It's a memorable melody. And it's a really nice way to close out the album. And one of the many highlights of this album, it's not like in the caliber of 777 or anything, but, you know, it's kind of good upbeat song. It's really cool. You reckon this is a highlight of the album? Yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. Why? Like I, well, <laughs> if you look at like all the tracks on this album, the only thing that I would say would be maybe the weakest track would be One Day I'm Going to Be Somebody. Really? I mean, I, okay, don't look at this song as maybe a funk song. Maybe look, look at it as like more of a pop song with a funk edge to it. Mm. It's, it's, it's not bad. All right, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. It just, it just doesn't... Um... Yeah, it is more poppy. It is, yeah. I like this one. I think it's good. All right, Tojan, take it away. First thing I noticed is it's unlike a lot of the other songs which sort of have a mix between live drums and drum machine. Well, I guess some um, 77, 93, is a bit like this one too. It's it's pretty much all in drum. I don't think there's any actual drums in this one. And again, it's got one of those synth stringy sort of lines that goes through. There's mainly just two chords that sort of go through until it gets to the um, uh, the chorus. Uh, there's a piano solo in there that has a really similar sound and very similar style to the Sexy Dancer piano solo. Yeah, it's um, like a Jimmy Jam style. Yeah, but I reckon whoever did it on Sexy Dancer, whether it was Prince or Fink, I forget. It's, uh, it's got to be the same person because it's yeah. it's really similar style. There's some really good synths, like just sort of washing synths all the way through. The synth solo at the end of the song, that has to be Fink, I think, because there's one little bit that sounds straight off something off head. So it's interesting hearing all these songs. You know, you hear bits and pieces from other bits. And then at six minutes and three, out of nowhere, that the beat just changes and it's like a totally different song. Yep. And it fades out on that. And I, oh, I like that's that. weird. I think that's cool. That's a cool way to finish an album. But it sounds like a, a weird edit. Like yeah, it sounds, it's a weird edit. Yeah. It sounds like maybe like the song was recorded and at the end like something stuffed up, so they just tacked on this like little bit towards the end. It's just like a, it's yeah. like really sort of strange addition. I like it. I like it. It doesn't it's, sound I, smooth. It's like. You know, it sort of just sort of comes in out of nowhere and just goes, da-da, you know, it's like, oh, okay. I think I, that's why I like it. It's just unexpected. Mm. And it's a cool beat that comes in as well. Uh, so, yeah, I haven't got much more to say about it, but I think it's a good way to, to close an album, and this song suits the album well enough. It's not the greatest one, obviously, but it's good enough. L- lyrically, I think it's a strange choice, because after Wild and Loose and seven seven ninety three eleven and the whole time shtick about, you know, basically picking up women... Gigolos Get Lonely 2 kind of opens up and shows a soft side. And then I Don't Want to Leave You is like, you know, 
is is Morris Day really a pimp or is he just a pimp in disguise? Like, what's going on here? I don't know. It just it's kind of um, ironic. Yeah, it doesn't. It, it I agree. It doesn't have that same persona as the others. Yeah. So it kind of leaves it. I don't know. Maybe maybe it's it's creating um, a more humane image of. <laughs> This womanizer, yeah, I don't know. It is, it is a bit weird because, you know, if you think about Morris Day in his persona, why would he be singing, I don't want to leave you? Yeah. yeah. Of course he'd want to leave. As soon as he's done, he's out the door. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense that he'd Jerome's holding stay. the door open. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's yeah. a bit, I, I find it hard to believe. Whereas Prince in his recorded body of work, he can play many, many characters. But I think with this Morris Day character, it's more like, you know, hit it and quit it type type style. And um anytime that it gets a little bit the lyrics or the or the emotion gets a bit honest <laughs> and kind of uh Yeah, it doesn't work as well. It doesn't work as well. So I kind of suspend your disbelief. Yeah, I actually think that that kind of takes away from this album towards the end, you know, it doesn't finish as strong as 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 the stick finished off the the debut, uh, yeah. I, I don't know, uh, Captain. Yeah, it's an okay song, but as a closer for the album, no. If you're starting off with Wild and Loose seven seven seven, one day I'm gonna be somebody. Then you put Jigglers Get Lonely. Then you put this, and then you put the Walk at the end. But then everyone would say, "Well, it's just like the first album. It'd be very similar." So you know, obviously they tried to do it differently. I've just had this I mean, crazy thought. I would put the Walk as the last track, but that's that's just me. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. <laughs> How ironic is that? <laughs> I mean, this it's okay. It's not that strong a song, but second most skippable. It's got some nice synth stuff on there. I'm guessing it's it's the Doctor, but there's really nothing of you know interesting. Guitar solo is okay. And like Toe Jam player said, it about builds six pretty well though. It builds, you know, the yeah. tension builds as it goes. I do like the piano stuff in there, but um, yeah, about six minutes, you got this cool drum beat comes and just and it, it is, it's a weird edit. It's just like splice, different drum beat, off we go. And um, it could almost be, but then it just goes straight into a fade. It's it's just really weird. See, all you need in there is doo doo. It'd be great. It's a dance electric, and then just when it starts to fade, you hear this little like uh, keyboard bit. <laughs> And I'm like, there's a whole new song right, right there. I was like, where's that song? Where's that song? Where's the last 30 seconds of this? And then the whole, you know, next five minutes of the song that that be turned into. Cause it's you know what it does? It does remind me a lot of um, the similar kind of beat, similar kind of sound as the Miles Davis album, You're Under Arrest, a couple of years later. The side one finishes with a sort of similar kind of song and it fades out. And then side two opens with it fading in. Oh. Just a weird way to, to do an album like that. It's similar kind of similar kind of sound, which is interesting. If it was me... I would get these first two time albums. I would dump Girl, Oh Baby, Jigglers Get Lonely 2. Oh, uh, you beat me to it. And I Don't Want to Leave You. And then you have... The most incredible funk album of all time. (laughs) Pretty much. You've got a damn good eight-track, 60-minute album, which would just kill anything. Yeah, I agree with you. And, And there's enough variety in there... Uh, sure that some of the songs kind of play off each other, but there's enough variety in in something like seven seven ninety three eleven and yeah. get it up for example, or even cool to yeah. to make it different I mean they are all similar long funk jams, but they're all different as well yeah none of the, you can't really i mean apart from maybe the walk and the stick they're all pretty different from each other they've all got their own little thing, but that's what I'd do that'd be just that'd be nuts wouldn't it it would be just a killer 8-track, 60-minute album, and 
There you go. Actually, yeah, and then just stick like Jungle Love and um, what's the other one? The Bird. But there you go. That's the that's best it. album ever. That's, <laughs> yeah, their, okay. that's their whole history right there. <laughs> I reckon, um, you know what I would do? This is just on the fly. I'd take the, the three great tracks on the first record, the three great tracks on the second record, and then The Bird, um, Jungle Love, My Drawers and Ice Cream Castles. And that's a 10-track killer. Mm-hmm. Killer. In fact, yeah. I'm going to create a playlist like that, put it chronologically, and listen to that in one go. One, one, hmm. one go. Your head will spin. You're going to put Tricky, Tricky and Grace on there too. I'll just, I'll just say while we're sort of closing up, I guess, is I think the, the second album, What Time Is It, is the definitive time album. Yeah. Uh, in, it, you know, assuming we're not, you know, splicing anything up or anything. I think that second album's great, and it's it's almost on par with you know controversy in nineteen ninety nine, almost. But it's like you know they're they're sort of the leftovers, I guess, from that that era in mm. that sense. But they're still damn good funky songs. The time album, the original one, it's it's you know it's got those three killer songs, but it's and uh, the sound quality and it's this sort of you can tell that it's, it's a debut album. There's something that's not quite there yet, but it, it's on the way. The second album, what time is it? The definitive time album, and then you know, Pandemonium and and uh, the original Seven album are kind of like they're almost like two separate bands, really. Even though it's they're not, but they are. <laughs> they mind are. boggles. <laughs> the, mind boggles. Uh, the best thing, one of the best things about this second time album, what time is it? Is the cover. Yeah, <laughs> it's the best cover. It is the cover. Uh, you can't stop oh, looking at it, eh? I know. It's just great. But I, we haven't even said yet why are we reviewing the time and why are we reviewing these two albums and why are we reviewing Associated Artists? Somebody it's because somebody. on the 25th of August 1982, this, as Toe says, definitive time album, what time is it, was released. That's why we're doing this today. <laughs> the mind boggles. We should also um, That's mention- 30 years. 30 years ago. It's crazy. We should also mention, you know, the, uh, I guess a bit of the history between the time as the band and Prince as the sort of mastermind behind it. Infamous, infamous. You know, we've already talked about how the first album is essentially all Prince, more or less. The second one, definitely a very, very large chunk of it is Prince as well, if not just as much, but maybe a little bit more collaboration going on in there. But, you know, for more reports, the live band that it, you know, there was this out of nowhere, this rivalry started between the two of them. And it's kind of sad the way it all ended, you know, the way two people were dismissed from the band. And, and from that point on, it was never quite the same. It was always like, it always felt like even in Purple Rain, it, it kind of feels like an imitation of the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, of, of, you know, and I think most of us, when we think the time, we think Jimmy Jam, we think Terry Lewis, Jesse Johnson, all those guys, you know, with Morris leading, obviously. And it's a shame that the way that happened, because, you know, who knows? I, I would have loved to have known how the third album would have sound like if Prince had have you know, maybe taking the reins off a bit and let them do the album. That would have been really interesting. Um, because I think by the time Pandemonium came around, you know, they had the, you had more of the rap and hip-hop influence and it wasn't the same. I always felt, um, even though there's some funky stuff on there too, I would have, I, it would be really interesting to know what that, what Ice Cream Castles would have sounded like had it actually been the proper time album that everyone was maybe waiting for. Well, you, you heard that with Strawberry Lake. Yeah. yeah. Original well, seven. That's probably what it would have sounded like. That's probably the closest it would have got to, yeah. Mm. But it's still not the same, you know. It's another thirty years later, and yeah, yeah, different soundscapes, different technology. Like, would have been interesting. Oh, we made it, guys! Two albums in one review. Two classic records. Um, two up. <laughs> yeah. Two up. 
we're gonna we're gonna bill it that way too. <laughs> and it's it's just I, I guess the thing about we've also said the word time plenty of times in this review. I just said it <laughs> twice now. It's uh incredible how some of these some of these really really funky songs have stood the test of time, haven't they? They just sound as like you put on seven seven ninety three eleven. That song will be funky millennia from now. Yeah. <laughs> It boggles the mind, as Toe Jam would say. It's just a great piece of work. Great piece of work. Doesn't sound dated. Even no, like not at all. Years later, yeah. Not at all. I mean, if you if you um, made it a lot louder and just digitized it a little bit today and put it on the radio, that'd be the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Shout out to the original seven. Shout out to Jamie Starr. Ha ha. Ha that's it. That's enough. Shout, shout out, out to, to, um, to shout uh, out to is it Rocco? <laughs> Rollo, I think Rollo. it's Rollo. Rollo is it? Rollo because he because he, he rolls out. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Ronald, but it's Rollo. <laughs> no, Ronald would be scary. At it? first, I thought he calls it Ronald. That's just that's even more hilarious. <laughs> but Rollo's good too. But we have to do a shout out to the those those guys, the Truth Podcast. Yep, Kelly Strawberry. Those, those guys, they they're doing a good job there. They are yep. the truth. They tell the truth. And when you're not listening to Pitch and Black, go and listen to those guys. And Michael Dean and all those. And, <laughs> and yeah, Michael Purple Dean, Knights. Prince Podkeys podcast, he's still out there. Yeah, and Purple Knights, all those guys. Go listen to them. Some good stuff I mean, there. I mean, they're not ours, but have a listen. <laughs> <laughs> That's if it's honesty it you want, if it's honesty <laughs> you want, Pitch and Black is your source. Oh, Chili sauce. <laughs> is your sauce. <laughs> No, those other guys do good work. Go listen to them. I've got to say, is it uh, like some crime that except for the last like two weeks, I've never listened to these two albums more than twice in my life? Huh? What? Yes. Why? I don't know. As soon as I found out about them, like 10, 15, whenever, how many years ago, I got both of them and I listened to them and I'm like, eh, whatever. Not impressed. Really? Wow. And then that was it. I listened to them maybe and once or twice go. since then. And it was just the last probably three weeks. I've probably listened to them about 50 times each. I just wow. put them on, on the CD in the car wow. and I've listened to them pretty much every single day, nonstop. The funk tracks sound great in the car, don't they? They do. But yeah, I've I never listened to them. The which, only thing is that- I find um, with any comedy music, it wears thin really quickly. Like if, if you listen to the album and you think, yeah, that's cool, and you listen to it again the next day, it's like, ah, uh, you know, because you've lost it all again. Like, yeah, you need to leave before. it those few months, even years sometimes, to, to let you forget about all the jokes. And <laughs> no, nah, it's still funny to me. Anyway, and still we're done. <laughs> hey, we're gonna do rate. We're gonna rate out of, out of ten. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Well, I think well, this is hard out of ten because it's only six tracks on each, and also because we're so used to rating. Yeah. Let's not rate them as forget Prince. Just rate them as yeah. As albums. As albums. As time albums. Yeah. I think the first one I'd probably give a uh, six and a half, seven. Second one, seven and a half, eight, maybe. Hmm. Uh, that'll be my scores, I think. Six and a half, seven, and seven and a half, eight. Six and a half and seven and a half. They're my two scores. I'm, I'm probably just about the same. Uh, yeah, I'd probably say six and a half, seven and a half. Okay. It's on to you, player. I don't know. On the first album, if you took out the two ballots and it's six tracks, you're down to four. You, it's getting a Batman score, I reckon. Uh-huh. No, actually, I, I agree with um, Toe Jim and Captain. That's, yeah, on that's both. a good one. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, well, I guess that leaves me. Yeah, the, the thing is, I don't want to overanalyze it too much, but 
uh, half of the first album is like pretty sub subpar to me, <laughs> and the other half isn't. So I'm gonna give that a solid five. Yeah, I reckon a five, five and a half. But then everything changes with album number two, where for me, I think the only the only song that really doesn't go anywhere is One Day I'm Gonna Be Somebody, and even then it's not, not that bad, but it's got probably, in my opinion, the two best time songs up until that point, which are the first two. To me, I just love those opening songs, and it's kick-ass, you can't go wrong. So yeah, I reckon seven and a half for that second time album. It's funny, you know, I feel weird giving them fairly lower scores, but hey, it is what it is. There you go. Well, we've still got Ice Cream Castles, Pandemonium, and what is it? The Original Seven. <laughs> what? That was a perfect bookend to that. You could... Condensate. Yeah. Condensate. Yeah. I don't sweat. <laughs> so there you go. Look, the scores. Years. Yay. The scores are just a bit of fun. I don't know why we do what we do, but we do it. I take mine extremely seriously. (laughs) So that's that. Wow. Two albums and we're done. Why you big? Toss silent hairdo heaven. Long toss snaggly gold tooth. Funk in habit form leather wearing. Bean pole looking. Black. We don't like new wave. <laughs> 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 <laughs>